This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's a... called My Old Man. Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast show. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOwnManSaid.com. Joining me for the aftermath of the first Villa Park game of the 2019-20 season from Villa on Tour, Mr. Max Stokes. Hello. And returning back after a, a brief trip to the States, uh, Mr. Chris Bird. Welcome. Hello. So uh, we are, well, we actually, we're actually freshly back from the new spruced up Villa Park. What, what did you think of uh, the new spruced up Villa Park? Golden Lions. Nice paint job. Fresh look of paint. Nicely wrapped the back of the North Stand and they've somehow managed to make the ticket office look marginally less shit. Still needs to be bulldozed though. That's what I thought. I was getting excited when I went round the corner because... You didn't see a pile of rubble. I thought it had been knocked down. But uh, alas, not. What else? Those screens, they were meant to be big screens. I know, yeah, I was they... very disappointed that I actually couldn't see any replays again. Did they change the angle on that one no. on the north, north no. sun side? Or has it always been it's at always that been shitty flat. angle? It's rubbish. But apart from that, I thought it looked, uh, it looked pretty yeah, good. It, it looked definitely uh, an improvement. Absolutely. Max, did you recognise the place when you turned up? Well, I did. unfortunately, I didn't go round the ground to see like uh, the stuff on the north stand, but inside the whole end co- concourse like the food stalls and stuff that looks a little bit more spruced up a little bit so although uh, i'm sure we'll come on to it at some point the prices have come up a little bit but now i think overall it looks nice but i look forward to what is what's the villa dog now it's like f- pushing fire pushing a fiver oh, can't we get can't we four, get like curry in the ground now as well and like jerk chicken and stuff as well i did go in there contemplating eating and uh maybe even having a, a pint of purity but you know when, when you've got like a full house the queues are just ridiculous £4.50 the, for purity is it yeah the price of ale I'm shocked mm. i'm gonna have to start smuggling drinks in to be honest. <laughs> dave's gonna turn up with a hip flask i was in the uh where was i i was in the upper trinity uh for this game and there was a there was a great moment and it naivety actually paid off where there was a, a couple and each of them had a couple of bottles of heineken and they walked them up to the seats and they had bottle tops on uh, two of those bottles as well and everybody was like looking at them as if they're like some kind of aliens or something so they obviously you know hadn't hadn't been before and uh just waltzed in with the beers and managed to enjoy their beers uh, during the first half i think they got uh found out at half time because they didn't bring drinks in but uh i could have done with a couple of beers in my seat for the well especially for the first 10 minutes anyway but we'll uh, we'll get on to that right coming up on the show three points that takes in uh, managers are already getting sacked. Uh, we also uh, look at uh, the aftermath of the Super Cup, a trophy that Aston Villa once won in 1983. And 
we also look at what's brewing up to be uh, potentially a more fierce rivalry than Blues Villa in English football. We'll also have the Scott Hogan touch count as Scott Hogan turns into the fiercest striker in the championship. And of course, we'll look at uh, Villa's first home game against the cherries right let's get into the first part of the show the three points i think mr stokes is kicking us off with point number one i am indeed two weeks into the new football season and two managers already down uh the first one <laughs> for god's sake this is the first one I, I don't know if i'm pronouncing this right jan sievert from huddersfield town uh he got sacked after the fulham defeat uh, he joined the club from Borussia dortmund in january 2019 but after just four competitive games this season, Huddersfield Town terminated the contract with an immediate effect. So it seems quite quite harsh. But uh, was he David Wagner light or David Wagner zero? Maybe. Yeah, they, they're going for this German model, aren't they? And it just it just hasn't really worked. Um, I watched a bit of the Fulham game actually. To be fair, they weren't anything special. But there you go, that's the end of him. Because I remember the first game that I saw of him, obviously when we played them early doors, when we came down to the championship, when Wagner was in charge. And they, they were quite a feisty team, actually. I always remember that substitute that came off the bench, that German. And uh, I think he's, he's, he scored the goal where Galini booted it. It bounced off his arse and went in. And who'd have thought that mob would have got promoted that season? Yeah, no, crazy. But yeah, what, what don't they know that the new last season when they got relegated with him? Because he, he took over January, so he had enough time. Because isn't he something like they've got he had a what, one win in 19 like, I don't see what's changed that much yeah. they were dreadful last season they were never going to be amazing this season so yeah. it seems a bit strange it's, it's like if you're going to say right let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt and let's uh, see what he can do in the championship we give him more than a few four games in total three in the championship as well shocking really yeah no, exactly. I don't know what they expected either. Like, where is the where where are they? Right, you know, setting the bar at Huddersfield. They were they. Oh, they'll they be punched, bottom half. They punched so far above their weight, just being in the top half of the championship, let alone getting into the mm. Premier League. It's ridiculous. So, with the Huddersfield model, Dean Smith's got one more game against Everton. Oh, <laughs> make or break. And uh, the, who was the second manager to uh, disappear? The second one was Salt Campbell from Macclesfield. Again, not given too much time after he arrived this year, I believe it was. But uh, yeah, not ideal. But he left though, didn't he? It, it wasn't was, like he it was... Well, it's claimed it was a bit of a mutual thing. So I think from what I've read, him and various players hadn't been paid. So I think it was one of these where he said, well, I've set out to do what I had to do. You wanted me to keep you up. Yeah. I've kept you up. If you're not going to pay me, I'm off. And I think the club, from the sounds of it, were only too happy to say, OK, well, we're not going to be able to pay you, so fair enough, you can go. Yeah, obviously Sol's not short of a few bobs, so he's got fuck-off money, so he can <laughs> just say, yeah, fuck-off, basically. Right, point number two, the aftermath of uh, the Super Cup. Liverpool obviously beat Chelsea on penalties, uh, mainly thanks to a Tammy Abraham miss, uh, which uh, it was a similar penalty to the one he did against West Brom, didn't he? But the keeper... Uh, Obviously, it was straight down the middle and the keeper, uh, although he came off his line a bit early with the new rules that uh, people are complaining that VAR didn't pick up. Anyway, uh, what happens normally when a black player misses a penalty in a uh, major tournament? Cue a ton of racial abuse on Twitter, which uh, happens straight away. Uh, you know, kick it out, have uh, condemned it as they usually do. I mean, this this has been going on. I, I always remember 2012, the Euros, when Ashley Young and uh, Ashley Cole missed for England against Italy. And that was even, a, you know, that was an eye-opener for me when I saw the amount of racism and the amount of tweets, you know, calling them black C-U-N-T's and obviously the N-word as well. And it's just like, Jesus, and, you know, we haven't moved on. And Abraham obviously uh, got the same sentiments from a bunch of arseholes and uh, it's just more evidence that uh, Twitter is a cesspool. I think, I mean, Tommy Abraham probably more concerned with the uh, the actual miss itself because obviously he's trying to prove himself at Chelsea. Uh, meanwhile, in France, a game was actually suspended for uh, a minute. AAS Nancy versus Le Mans was stopped. Uh, this is at French second division. Was stopped after the 27th minute because of homophobic chants and the players of uh, AS Nancy went up to the crowd to basically tell them to uh shut the fuck up and the tannoy said you know this game would be suspended if uh, they didn't stop and it kicked off uh, one minute uh, later still problems in football from you know idiots basically and uh, you know these things always crop up in the three points which uh, is a shame anyway point number three 
Chris? So the conflict between Wimbledon and MK Dons that's been going on for many years now. Thank you. Um, rages on. Uh, midweek just gone was obviously the Carabao Cup first round where Wimbledon lost 4-2 on penalties to MK Dons. Previously, Wimbledon had been disciplined by the EFL for breaching regulations in regard to um, the use of the opposition's name, where basically Wimbledon refused to use the word Dons in the matchday programme, on the scoreboard and on the tickets. So they were obviously given uh, disciplinary action. Well, they were ordered, wasn't they? They were ordered at the start of the season by the EFL that this shall never happen again. And they have to have Duns on the scoreboard, matchday programme, tickets, etc. But this time around, they've found their own loophole to uh, uphold their own principles by saying, uh, well, we're not going to print a matchday programme. And uh, the scoreboard's broken, which I think is quite <laughs> clever. And I like the sheer pettiness of it. I love a bit of shithousery like that. It's, well, it's not. It's not. It's not pettiness. Don't don't undermine it. It's principles. It's like no fuck you. Because what happened is, uh, I mean, it's, it's well, scandalous. I mean, we, ha- we, ha- we haven't really seen anything like that, and certainly not in my lifetime. It's the first time I've seen that happen. So this is a really yeah. interesting rivalry. It would be like moving Aston Villa to Coventry and calling us Coventry villains or something. Cov Villa or something. Cov Villa, all one word. But yeah, no, I I, I hope they carry on. Uh, no, I do. I this, think it's uh, great. P- principled approach. I love the. Oh shit, the scoreboard's broken. Before we go, and I just want to give a shout out to the My Old Man Said patrons who uh, have joined this week. Uh, thank you very much to William Dunyon, Tony Carr, Stephen Tatlow, Paul Totney, Wine Corner. That is actually not a made up name. Uh, Lloyd Gross, Colin Curry. And uh, thanks to Rob Scott South for upping his pledge as well. Thank you very much uh, to all the patrons, uh, as well as the ones that have uh, joined this week. Uh, These are the guys that obviously make uh, this show happen. Uh, If you want to also support us, and please do. uh, I mean, I've in the close season, I had an offer from a betting company to actually sponsor the show and they really wanted to sponsor the Scott Hogan touch count and uh, I like the idea of that just because it just I thought it was funny that uh, a big uh, well-known sponsor would sponsor the Scott Hogan touch count but it you know it showed that they were kind of in on the joke as well but it's just doesn't uh, unless they paid real super good money it goes against the the principles like the uh, AFC Wimbledon principles you got to stick by them, and I'd rather be a supporter funded rather than you know having to curtail and make compromises to uh, well, especially betting companies. I mean, certainly if there's a, a Villa fan's got a local business or something and wants to sponsor the Scott Hogan Touch Count, drop me a line, and uh, you won't have to pay uh, betting company prices. Put it that way. But uh, please do, if you want to become uh, a patron, please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron. Uh, option on the menu for further details thank you very much uh, oh speaking of scott hogan should we go let's go early with the scott hogan touchdown who, who cares about villa versus the cherries let's get into the real business one person actually uh, joined the mad few group uh, and when you join the mad few facebook group you're asked three questions simple questions how long have you been listening to the show where do you listen and uh, what do you like about the show normally people always say we like the scott hogan touch count and the first person said, you know, they said, oh, I like this, I like that. Not not over keen with the, of the Scott Hogan touch count. What? It's like, how do you block these people? <laughs> you don't need this sort of negativity in your life, do you? Get rid. Get rid. I'm surprised I let him in. I let him through the, the front door. <laughs> no idea why. Right then, Scott Hogan, this is the ever-evolving, and it's almost like a game show, where we're trying to find the utopian rules. So we're going to change the rules every episode until we find the rules right we're going to have best of three and this time you have two guesses each but i'm not going to tell you who's the closest okay so you'll have the first guess and then the second guess and unless you nail it in the first one i'll I'll stay quiet and then if after the first two guesses if you're within shall we say two okay or three of the actual one then you'll be declared the winner if one of you is. But if you're not, then we'll have another guess. Should I declare who's closest after those two if we go to a third one? Yeah, why not? Yeah, we'll see how that goes. So the idea is to to cut out the higher and lower mentality of uh, guessing. Right, Scotty Hogan. Let's go with Scotty Hogan first. Hopefully nobody's been cheating. (laughs) Who's going first? Uh, Go on. I will. Let's go for it. I think we'll go. We'll let, let Max Stokes because he's had he had some decent A level results. I forgot the show. Hey. Congratulations! Sh- 
Thank you. Yeah, I forgot the show has a has a, actually has a vested interest in your education. <laughs> in fact, if anything, we can take some credit for this. I think. Yeah, the revision helped. It really did. Yeah, apparently, because you declare. Oh no, you, I think it was just speaking to me where you told me. I oh, know it was the last show. Did you say it on the show? I can't remember. It's your private life. We don't want to give away <laughs> your results or anything. But oh, you can do if you want. I don't mind. But you, have you told got an envelope me, sample. You told me what no, you're expecting, online. but you actually got higher than what you expected. I did. Yeah, I'm very happy. And the revision helped. I think it's down to this show, really. That's it absolutely is. Thank you so much. It's an educational show. We we basically <laughs> lift people's IQs as soon as they listen to the show. And, is, and lower our own. And lower our own, exactly. You just absorb our brains slowly. And when it gets to the 200th show, we'll be a spent force. So Max Stokes... He's now off to, uh, is it Cambridge University you're going to now? You're ditching Oxford, that, actually. Oh, uh, okay. You're ditching that villa on tour nonsense and going to yeah. Oxford. A new yeah. life awaits. <laughs> <laughs> Oxford United on tour. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, Scott Hogan played for Stoke. He's starting now. He, he's he, The villa dark days are over. I don't think he's, he, he, he hasn't lasted 90 minutes yet, but he got close to it this time. He managed 83 minutes. That's Eight three minutes. He scored a goal in the two two draw at home against Derby. That that Butland guy, he's shipping goals every game, isn't he? And oh, he's they, made a few awful mistakes. Oh yeah, dodged a bullet. Ooh, he doesn't ooh, want to be there. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Do you think he's doing it on purpose? Yep. Here's what you could have won, Jack. <laughs> but no, nobody should be paying twenty million for him anyway. I knew as soon as they said twenty million, Villa weren't going to move for that. But anyway, uh, so uh, eighty-three minutes. First guess, Max Stokes. How many touches? I'm going to go pretty big for Scott Hogan. Oof. I'm going to because you know he's new lease of life and all that. I'm going to go twenty. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to say uh, eighty-three minutes. Twenty-three. Have you got some kind of equation like how many touches he gets per ten <laughs> yep. minutes or something? Yeah, <laughs> you've got a formula. <laughs> I've got an algorithm made up already. <laughs> Right then, let's go into round two. I've jotted those down. So you basically, to win, you've got to be within two of the uh, the actual score. And, and if nobody is, then we go to a third uh, and final round. So Max says 20, Mr. Bud says 23. Max Stokes on the hockey. Okay, I'm going to go 17. I'm going to go with 20. Ooh, winner is because he got, he was only one off. 24 it was. Oh. 24 oh. touches. Chris Bird with 23. Back in the game. Back in the game. <laughs> this, I think this is... Uh, this might Stoke, be the format. Ma- the Stokes has not scored or hasn't won a point because uh, you got beat 2-0 in the last show. I did. Awful. Just blame it on the service. What's going on? <laughs> right. Oh, so, last week uh, against Spurs, Mings was the the guy uh, against all odds. It's normally a midfielder or somebody, a, a fullback uh, gets the most touches. But Mings was uh, had the most touches with fifty three. Grealish had fifty two. This time it was uh, Elmo. Business as usual. How many touches did he have? Oh, I bet he had quite a few. So, uh, well, who, who wants to go for? Oh, it's Chris. I'll take the lead on this one. I'm yeah. going to go with. 63. Ooh. Before you said that, I had 64 in my mind, so I'm going to go with that, 64. Right, okay. Second round? 70. Oh, I had that in my mind as well. Oh, what's going on? Okay. <laughs> what, um, what is this mind reading that's I going know. on? <laughs> what is this sorcery? Okay. This should be banned. <laughs> You're not allowed to mind read, okay? Okay. Uh, 76. Right, well... We're going uh, into a third round. Ooh. Max was the closest. So that's that's the clue. Okay. Wow. So uh, take it from there. Elmo played the whole 90 minutes. 75. 77. Well, I'm going to have to give it to Max because it's actually 100. <laughs> it's 105. Fucking <laughs> hell. Neither of us are even close. <laughs> Jesus no, Christ. Exactly. Talk I about mean, the I, I sh- Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> And not he, one he, assist all bloody game. Hundred and something he, touches, he, yeah. no assists. And he also had the highest pass completion, nine ninety one point six. Bloody hell! Fair play. 
normally the only person who's got a, over a hundred is Elmo last season. This is from memory, and I think Grealish managed it or got very close once. But normally it's only a fullbacks that can uh, get up to that amount. And there's people calling for Gilbert. Yeah, you got to get the ball off Elmo first. <laughs> it's uh, he's got <laughs> almost shirt, impossible. Hasn't he? Right then, uh, Max is going first. Here's, I'm going to give you a choice. Do you want to go? Do you want to play the uh, Dougie Louise game, or do you want to play the Wesley game? You got a choice of two Brazilians. Who should we go for? I say Louise for that goal. Let's go for him. Right, let's go for Louise. So Louise, uh, he played. Did he play the whole game? He did, didn't he? Yeah. Ninety minutes. How many touches for Dougie? Hmm. Okay. Fifty-five. Fifty-five, Mr. Bird. 80. Game over. Chris Bird wins. Boom! Oh. <laughs> Bang on the money. It's because I've been paying what? attention. How have you managed that? I watched the game. It's fixed. Oh, come <laughs> on. <laughs> did you count, did you? I sit there with my pad and pen. I like, bet Like keeping the cricket score, my thermos flash binoc- and, and my anorak. And his binoculars. Oh. I'm in the wrong game, man. I'm wasted doing this. <laughs> I should go and work for Opta or something. To be fair, uh, the amount of times that he had the ball playing out, it's like Elmo, you know, it's normally the back line. Everything went through him, didn't it? Yeah. And, you know, Mings was obviously going to have a high score as well. Uh, Who's the next highest after uh, those two? I think Mings had 82. Right, yeah. So that was the second. uh, And uh, Dougie Louise, had uh, he had the second highest pass completion, uh, 91.2, which is uh, pretty good. Unfortunately, though, the uh, the stats don't mean shit when you've lost. Exactly. And, uh, you know, know, when you're looking at Elmo and Louise, a lot of those balls are, uh, you know, basically ticking by or or offloading the ball to somebody else. So uh, the drought goes on for Mr. Stokes in the world of the Scott Hogan touch count. At least I scored. Did you? Got to look at the positives. Did you? Yeah, I got the middle one, didn't I? I thought it was 2-0, wasn't it? I mean, neither of us got close on that one. The Elmo one. You gave oh, it to sorry. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Trying yeah. to take it off me, VAR. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> you were so far away that... Uh, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> you're, you're about 30 off, so we're giving it... We're, we're, we've called VAR into this, and they're saying it's, it's, he hasn't earned that. <laughs> it touched his arm. I'm having it. <laughs> anyway, 2-1. Sorry about that. Uh, you, you got beat, though, in the end. It's, that's, it's yeah. losing at the end of the day. Right, anyway, onwards to the game in question where we prove that these stats mean absolutely nothing when it boils down to the uh, the meat and gravy. Uh, well, I mean, we we start from the start. The first 10 minutes, uh, the first minute, what the hell was Heaton doing? I mean, that is the epitome of Russia blood to the head, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he, this guy was going was nowhere, was he? Totally unnecessary. Heaton, he's, he, he doesn't, he's not a 9 out of 10 at the moment because he's, uh, in the t- if you're just basing it on the two games we've seen, his kicking was a bit woeful against Spurs it wasn't that great against Bournemouth to be honest but uh, yeah that the Russia blood on that one I mean I thought he's going to save this isn't he that's that's how this is scripted gives away a penalty in the first minute then it saves it and then it's uh, you know fuck you Jack Buckland and uh, we have a new hero but uh, didn't look good from that point and then uh, you've got uh, Dougie Louise doing step overs uh, on the edge of his own box yeah that, that that was a weird one with the heat and thing as well when I saw it in real time I didn't really make much of it when that ball got slipped through because I was like, okay, that's going through to Heaton. Surely yeah, he'll, he'll dive yeah. down and claim that. But I've, I've watched it back and I just think he, he's got time to go and like swipe it with his arms and slide on the floor. But I don't know what goes through his head to think he's going to go and use his feet. What's he trying to do there? I really don't understand what he's trying to do. I think he's quite naive and I think he's just got caught in two minds and he's made a bit of an error and it's a really bad one to be fair but that that wasn't ideal the louise one as well he must he must have got a call or something cuz i don't know why he's just let that go in the middle of the park in a dangerous area yeah uh, harry wilson as a striker it's it's lucky. Let's be honest. It's lucky. Comes off Tyrone Mings, yeah. just goes in off the post as well, and it's pretty much killed us. Most goals do come off Tyrone Mings this season. I've noticed. Mm. Yeah, but that was that was a bigger deflection this time round, wasn't it? Bloody yeah, I took it right in. But yeah, there, there wasn't anybody uh, close to Louise, was there? For because you said you might have heard a call or something, but there wasn't anybody close to him. Which is strange yeah. for someone who likes to put or clearly likes to put his foot on the ball and play. You think why is he doing yeah. like it doesn't seem like a stepovers kind of player, and you would surely never do that in your own half anyway. Because I, I think half of these mistakes, and obviously if you look back to Grealish's against Spurs, I th- think 
you could probably file them under teething uh, troubles in terms of this playing out at the back and obviously new players. I mean, I, I mentioned it before. I think there's a Pep Guardiola uh, documentary. Is it Take the Ball? Play the Ball? I, I can't remember the title. Um, it, we gave away to patrons some uh, free DVDs of it where Barcelona were giving the ball away cheaply in the you know, early games uh, under Pep Guardiola when he was obviously instilling his philosophy. So I think part of it's down to that and obviously hopefully they'll sharpen up and those mistakes will disappear because I think they've been the difference from Villa getting points this season is just these howlers of mistakes which when you look at Grealish he's thinking you know he's been told obviously let's play it out let's be constructive and maybe Heaton was thinking well let's be constructive with this ball rather than just you know lamping it up. Louise probably thinks we can play free-flowing football you know on the edge of our own 18 but I mean would you would you agree with that it's part of it stemming from this mentality that that is the first thing in their minds uh, that's what they've been told they've got to kind of play it out now and be constructive for now I'll give them the you know the benefit of the doubt but it's one of these things where you know Grealish did it two or three times against Tottenham didn't he and then the final time he did it obviously it cost them a goal it seems to be almost similar to last season really that every time they make a mistake they get punished for it yeah and they, were, they weren't getting you know particularly the many breaks of the ball throughout the game to be honest there were lots of little sort of second balls and little times the ball fell and it would always fall to a you know a Bournemouth guy I just think they didn't get any luck today at all Villa as much as you earn your own luck at times as well but you know I don't think Villa were were good value for the win today and definitely not at Tottenham but I don't see why we couldn't have got a point out of either um, I, I, w- I wouldn't have said Bournemouth deserved to lose today it was very much a draw type game yeah, but, but just sticking to the, the topic of actually the, this, the way we're playing is we're going to be constructive playing it out the back you'll notice that uh, Mings stays on the edge of the six yard box for when uh, Heaton takes his goal kicks so he just like taps it across to him to kind of build from the back I mean there was actually two guys behind me and one of them said uh, I think this is like after 20 minutes just lump it up and the other guy said no 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 that's not what they've been told There's, they're going to make mistakes as they uh, you know learn to play this way and get into it and it's going to take games to do that you can't just suddenly switch to uh, playing safety first because in the long term once you master it then obviously it turns into a revolution and uh, you know you see in what Manchester City are doing and anybody else who uh, plays with that mentality you, you are controlling possession basically and control the game you know, that way. But I think there'll be more of this uh, in the early stages, more mistakes potentially. I think especially with the new rules with teams obviously being able to play from inside their own penalty area I think you might find that being a bit of a theme in the first half of the season where a few teams I think will play themselves into trouble, us obviously included. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, the big decision in terms of uh, team selection last week was obviously the fullbacks, if, if you wanted the headline. That was obviously carried on after their performance. I think, you know, defensively, and that's all we were really given against Spurs was to see them defensively because we didn't really, with 30% possession, get forward to the extent that fullbacks could get forward and overlap. 
So they started again. I wasn't surprised. I think on the last show, we th- we expected Horahan to play because it was at home and obviously he's got a bit of end product there. But Louise obviously rated and fancied by Smith started. And what did you think of him? Oh, I thought I thought he was quite good. I think in, in the first half, there was a few moments where he, he got the ball and he just did the right things, but did it a little bit slowly. I thought he could have done it a little bit faster. But yeah. overall, I think he's got the right thing in his mind. I think when he gets the ball, he knows what he's doing. He's, he picks out the right pass. He sprayed the ball. I think he gets the ball. He knows what he wants to do with it. I think he's a very technically gifted player. I think he's he's different to Horahan to, to some degree, but I think, think, yeah, he made the mistake today, but he's going to take time. And I think if he gets game time, throughout the season you know 90 minutes 90 minutes 90 minutes I think he could be a really really good player um, I think John Percy said it on Twitter I think he's got the makings of a really really good footballer and that goal today I think we'll come on to it but that just shows it I think he's got a lot of potential hopefully he can fulfill it at Villa this season Finney just before he scored that I was thinking right we're, we're, we're chasing the game now and he has been sitting deep uh, obviously you know been told to sit deep so I'd be interested to see what he actually offers when we go forward and if he could get forward a bit more and uh, obviously then you know within five minutes of thinking this uh, he, he scores that goal and th- but then there was another bit where I think he broke through down on the right but I think his, his, his final ball wasn't that hot but that's that's what I'm thinking if when we're playing at home and let's say we're uh, it's up to us to uh, run the show and you know, obviously in this case because we were 2-0 down I'd, I'd like to see him come uh, forward more but you know there's there's other questions like where is marvelous what's happened to him has anybody asked the question at press conferences or anything i think it'd be interesting to know just to see where these guys sit in the pecking order because i would have thought today having had what at least a couple of weeks to train with the side i think he did he feature at charlton i can't remember if he did or in leipzig but he's he's definitely had like plenty of time to train with the squad now so i would have thought yeah. if he's if he's there or thereabouts he should have been on the bench surely ahead of someone like a lansbury because I, I kind of looked down the bench today before the game and thought, who's going to come on and change the game today? Because I thought Marvellous would be uh, ahead of uh, Louise in the pecking order just from you know his big game experience. Uh, obviously, the last couple of seasons, uh, Louise has been playing uh, in La Liga, but uh, for a team that obviously got relegated uh, at the end of last season, while Marvellous has been playing in the uh, Champions League. And if you look at the results and the nil-nil draws against Dortmund and uh, Atletico Madrid, you would put a lot of that surely down to him playing a defensive midfield role so you'd think well he's got to be I mean people talk about him being like Kante light or or whatever but uh, you would thought he would have been ahead of the you know in terms of the pecking order but it's uh, a bit worrying that he's not even on the bench and uh, again Gilbert not even on the bench and what we were lacking in this game and you know let's let's move on to uh, what's happening down the flanks I mean the wingers uh, I mean how would you sum them up that that Trezeguet and uh, Al Ghazi, and I think Al Ghazi pretty much similar performance against Spurs. They kind of, I think, blue hot and cold would be the very polite way of putting it. Um, mm. They didn't offer much in defence, which that position you really need to, you know, you need two guys who are going to put a shift in. Little glimpses of what they can do, but they never really had any end product again. Because I think you know the the fullbacks, I thought. Again, you know, like against Spurs, they defended well, but this was the chance to uh, push push the. Uh, the narrative and they weren't you know it it's it shows you the limitations of taylor and elmo when they're going forward it's like they're doing the 75 percent job they're not breaking past the uh the fullbacks they're not overloading they're not overlapping and this is what i thought was going to be the upgrades on last season was uh target who does like to uh you know get down the byline and gilbert's obviously got a bit of pace they would be the upgrade to how we were going to play and they were like they'd be like a uh the extra level in terms of uh fluidity in terms of linking with the midfield and then uh, you know causing overloads and uh helping us get behind uh, the defense and you know when you've got that then wesley can concentrate on being a center forward rather than coming in deep and linking up well, yeah, you'd think so. Just just going back to El Ghazi as well in the the forward wingers, he was really frustrating today against Bournemouth. Like he was offside like four or five times when we had a really good opportunity, and he could see across the line. And I just yeah. think it's a little bit lazy from him. He he didn't have his best game today. I think Trezeguet was a little bit better better a couple of times in the second half. He got the ball and really wanted to drive with it, and that's that's what I think we need. We need someone to get the ball and just just have a go rather than you know sort of dilly dallying on the ball. But yeah, going back to to Neil Taylor and and Elmo, I think. I think it's time for Matt Target. I really do. In in the second half, fair play to Neil Taylor. He had a couple of goal scoring opportunities somehow. I don't yeah. know how, but 
I think when he gets the ball, it's no fault of his own. It's really not. Like I think he's a good left back, but just for how we want to play, when he gets the ball, I just don't think he's he's going to go forward and whipping across for Wesley. I think Matt targets that player. But yeah, I think I'd like to see Elmo stay in with the whole Gilbert thing. I'm, I'm a little bit bemused to what's going on there, but I, I want to see Matt target. But don't get me wrong, Neil Taylor's had a couple of good games, but I want yeah, to see. Yeah, I mean, target. I mean to be to be fair, Taylor's had probably two of his better games uh, in a Villa shirt in in the Premier League. But we we we're going to need a a bit extra if we're going to get we're going to have to start picking up points. And uh, as you know, as you said, target could be that man uh, to give us a bit more penetration down the flanks because the wingers on their own aren't doing it at the moment. There were numerous occasions where Mings especially, or we'd we'd, we'd start with the balls say in the right hand position the right back position sorry it, you know, they'd play it across the back it would go to Taylor and you think just drive just get you've got to get them up the field faster which El Mohamedy will do to a certain extent and he can deliver a good ball but from the other side there was numerous occasions and similar to what Max said with with Al Ghazi Taylor was almost staying back because he knew if he if he committed forward he knew they were both in the shit whereas yeah. in fact when Taylor gets into these positions there's no end product anyway. So it's kind of like, well, you might as well just stay back anyway because you're actually offering us nothing there other than an extra man, you know, in the, in the in case we lose the ball. But there was the, the actual amount of delivery coming in from the left was poor. And if anything, of the wide guys who featured for probably 10, 15 minutes, I actually thought Yotta came on and had a, a pretty clear plan as far as I'm going to get my head down and I'm going to drive at the fullback, cut inside and get the ball into McGinn, Grealish uh, and Louise. And he did. I thought he did his job quite well. Certainly enough that I would actually start with him against Everton just to offer us something a little bit different. Plus, Trezeguet was absolutely fucked after about 70 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that. He was absolutely blowing. Because at the start, in the, in the, in the warm-up, uh, I noticed the defenders were doing a drill. The midfielders were doing... Uh, they had like Louise in the middle and a couple of other guys while Grealish McGinn were like, you know, trying to keep the ball and, you know, play around it. And they had Wesley, El Ghazi and Trezeguet target practice, the three of them, with, with Richard O'Kelly practicing shooting. So I was thinking, well, this to me, it's like, you know, the Barcelona where they would play the, the 4-3-3 with the man in the middle, but those two guys on either side were, you know, meant to be a bit more forward thinking and, and attacking. And to me, those uh, just by the way they were like set up uh, in the the warm up, I was thinking, well, you know, they're going to have a go at them as a three. But Wesley's so uh, isolated and not connected to those two that he's coming deep and technically is very good. He'll have the ball, he'll have two around him, and he will get that pass out. He's he's got that strength to hold it up, but he's not. You know, he's he's obviously not a goal threat at the top because he's not there, and the wingers aren't you know actually creating the chances to uh, give him time to get back in there. It's just not functioning at the moment. I mean. In that game, Bournemouth, when they had the ball and in our final third, looked more dangerous than we did. I, I thought we were a bit powder puff, I described to somebody. It, I'd agree with that. You just didn't feel it. And another thing, uh, I mean, apart from uh, Louise, when he like uh, psyched up the crowd after he scored, there didn't seem to be that much urgency. When we were chasing in the final minutes, when we got that free kick on the halfway line, and Heaton originally was like waving people up because he, he wanted to take it. But then I think Mings waved him back. A couple of midfielders were just milling around the middle and it should have been just everybody up. Heaton, just pump it up there. Everybody get on the edge of that 18-yard box and like, you know, mad dash, you know, last last chance saloon. But it just, half the team didn't seem to be that bothered about it. And it was just like, this doesn't, they're not desperate for this. They're not, it's not like, you know, when we're going from 3-0 to 3-0 uh, against Sheffield United and it was like, you know, because we would really give it a go in those last minutes uh, last season. And it just seemed a bit tepid this time. I don't know if it was a bit of a legs thing. I think, you know, Grealish looked tired towards the end. Obviously, I mentioned Trezeguet did. I wonder if they'd, they seem to have had to work very hard just to play at the level they were at. And you kind of think, well, we, we need to be a couple of levels up from where we are. You know, whether that's, we, you know, we chase the ball a lot. I thought Bournemouth were unsurprisingly very well drilled as all, you know, as every yeah. house team has always been. You could tell that they've been a team together for a lot longer in all their key positions. They had partnerships all over the field. Yeah. That's one thing we kind of lacked. I didn't. I didn't think they needed to break sweat though today to get those. No, points. I think I actually think they had another gear. If they yeah. really had to, I think they had another gear. Especially if they'd have wanted to, they could. They could have committed a couple of people more forwards. Certainly yeah. in the last ten, and I actually thought stoppage time was almost embarrassing. How yeah. we we just couldn't get the ball off them. It was like good game management on their part, but we lacked, as you said, like an urgency, but a real kind of aggression as well. Like yeah. McGinn always has that snap in his play. But I, I get the feeling Ming, that does. Louise doesn't. Yeah, Louise doesn't have that in his game. I don't think he's very much a cultured D 
deep-lying centre midfielder, but he's not a nasty player, I don't think. Nasty is probably not the greatest word to describe it, but just it's like... aggression. F- yeah, aggression, fired up. Like It's like never give up attitude. And it was like, well, it's, it's almost like they settled for the 2-1. Uh, and I'm talking and about the, f- um, the final minutes. And it pains me to say it, but I actually would say Grealish actually had one of the worst performances I've seen him in, in a Villa shirt in a long time. I thought it was highly ineffective for long periods. Now, part of that I will actually give Bournemouth credit for because I actually think they just took him out of the game. Whereas actually it was McGinn that came to the fore throughout the game. But- yeah, I mean, in terms of how Bournemouth played, I mean, obviously what happened in the first 10 minutes dictated that uh, they didn't have to play uh, maybe the way they were coming into the game to play because obviously they were suddenly 2-0 up after two mistakes and uh, it was you know not in their interest to keep it open, was it? No, and tactically, they they basically set up with a 4-4-2, which if, if our midfield three with the two wide men is working properly, you should be outnumbering them every time and somehow they were outnumbering us because it became four on three. Yeah. So that's kind of, I suppose you have to give Eddie Howe a certain amount of credit for kind of outthinking Smith in certain areas of the game. Obviously, you know, the first 10 minutes, the plan goes out the window anyway. Um, but they, you're right in saying that I don't think Villa, when, whenever they got ahead of steam, you never thought they were ever going to go in for the kill. Yeah. Whereas actually the- last season, they kind of did, you know, when Villa, when Villa tended to get on top of teams, they would always come away from a, a period of concerted pressure with at least one goal. Yeah, there just, there just doesn't seem to be that threat yet. And uh, it's it, and I think that will come, uh, they have to basically work out how to get Wesley involved at the top of the, you know, top of the pitch and not coming in at, you know, the 75% uh, mark and midway between the edge of the 18 and the halfway line. Would you... um? Would you say that Bournemouth got it right in terms of their game management? Because I noticed quite early on that they were clearly set up to spoil the game. Like whenever Villa would have the ball, it was very much, I oh, will pull the shirt, we'll have a little, we'll take little niggly fouls. And it kind of played into the way that Martin Atkinson wanted to referee the game because I thought he had a very frustrating performance for the, certainly for the Villa supporters, that it was very stop start in the first half, a lot of fouls from Bournemouth and they went unpunished quite early on and I think they knew they were going to get away with it through the game the same with their sort of their I wouldn't say time wasting but any opportunity they had to take the pace out of well, the game yeah, I mean, when, when, because he didn't get on top of it early yeah. I think they knew well we're, we're fine here we're not going to get called up for this because when you're 2-0 up the last thing you want is uh, the the other team to get momentum because it's you know as as anybody of, who knows football knows that 2-0 is a, a strange kind of lead to have because it can flip so easily sometimes it's better to be 1-0 up because then you're a bit more concentrated on keeping that league 2-0 you always think well you know we're home and dry here but that's probably why they wanted to keep them you know take away any momentum Villa might try to uh, create or have and uh, as I said they didn't really need to play themselves they didn't break a sweat and I thought it was quite a competent and accomplished performance by them I thought Harry Wilson was excellent throughout yeah, had a few a few bright moments, and they were very very slick in their passing. And I think they they could have towards the end, if anyone was going to score, it kind of looked more likely that they'd pick us off on the break in the last yeah. sort of ten minutes. I mean, we scored with twenty minutes to go, and when when that happens, you think right, we're really going to push on here. But yeah. we had we had like a five minute, ten minute spell after that where we you know pushed on, no clear cut chances. We were, we were always in their final third, not really having major chances. It was like we didn't really know what to do with the ball when we got it in that final part of the pitch. But then, like five five minutes, you know, not after, in added time, like we've mentioned, we didn't we didn't really go for it. And whether that's like we've said, the players looked a bit knackered, which they did. Bournemouth looked like they were they were fitter than we were, better drilled than we were. But it, it just didn't look like we really knew what to do with it when when we did get the goal. Yeah, because I mean, against Spurs, we didn't have one corner, and against Bournemouth, we had loads. We had ten, and it didn't feel like any difference really. They, I mean, oh, we're still going short, aren't they? Yeah. Was, that was the one noticeable thing. Certainly, me and some of the guys who who sit by me were were sort of commenting on was our set piece delivery in general was appalling. Yeah, mm. and Grealish and McGinn can both take that on the chin. That's one thing that, although today physically, you know, Horahan doesn't always offer you that that kind of bite in the middle of the park. That's one thing he does guarantee you is that certainly with ten minutes to go, he can make something happen. He can put a good cross in. He can. Put, you know he's great from set pieces, and you just think I don't see why you wouldn't bring him on. You'd have to say he's the, probably the best free kick taker that we've got at yeah. the moment on on basically on uh, evidence so far. And 
Yeah, if you're chasing the game, as as we've always said, he's got end product, and you probably would he would be an impact sub, and he and he worked as an impact. I remember when he was frozen out at the start of last season, he would come on and he he would score or you know create an assist. I mean, my feeling with ten minutes to go was, although it's kind of sacrilege to say, but I'd have actually taken Grealish off because yeah. I thought he'd run his I thought he'd run his race by about seventy five minutes. He'd kind of. He'd had his moments, he'd kind of peaked in the game and then he'd kind of faded again. I just thought, maybe you do need fresh legs, take him off and let Connor kind of yeah, throw he, the kitchen he, sink at him. He wasn't really impacting the game, was he? I mean, he, he impacted the game more in the first half against Spurs than he did the whole game against Bournemouth. He, and, had, his, you know, he had his chance where he whipped it just past the post and he had yeah. little moments in and around the box, but there was a lot of overplaying and I wonder if there's a certain amount of him trying a little bit too hard to force it. And also, Grealish compared to a lot of our team, he doesn't come as a surprise, does he? Teams have known about him for a couple of years now. Obviously, it was in the championship, but they, they kind of know what he's going to get. And the, the thing for me that we lacked was that sort of dynamism and that real pace. You know, McGinn gets you up the field quickly when he's got the ball. He can really drive with it. Grealish kind of glides, but he doesn't have that like break of pace that can really, you know, hit and run and kind of get you up the field quickly. Like, dare I say, it, like in, in years gone by, someone like a Gabby would do where you can just hit it in behind and go chase that and turn the game round. We never really had that ability today because we never had the, the the real pace on the on either flank. Sorry, did you just and say you said earlier, did that's you just what say Gabby? Uh, did you just say Gabby? I did. Right, you're not on the next show. <laughs> Thanks, mate. We get a week off. <laughs> Fucking score! I'm going back to the states then. But it's that, but it's that dynamism in wide areas that gets you up the field. You know, you look at any of the teams in the sort of the Champions League, and they have those dynamic fullbacks that can actually get you up the field quickly. Yeah. We kind of don't have that. When we looked in the summer transfer window, and he's, uh, I mean, obviously played ahead in terms of Gilbert, but, uh, you know, how much was... The target was 12, 12 million, wasn't it? You don't buy a 12 million left-back to put on the bench behind somebody who cost you like two and a half, three in a part, well, it's a part exchange, wasn't he, with Jordan A.U., Taylor? I wonder if he's just trying to send out the message that, well, these are the guys that got us promoted. They're deserving of their chance, but ultimately, if you're not cutting it, I will... I will, you know, drip feed these new guys in. Just going back to that point about Grealish, would you have brought like Conor Horahan on for like, let's say, the last ten minutes? Absolutely. Instead of him, because we did. Only, I, we, I would have done. We yeah. only did. We only made two subs uh, in the end with Hotter uh, and you, Davis. As much as he's our talisman, and he's always, you know, there is the thing of you can't take him off. He's always likely to make things happen, but yeah. he can't be immune to having a bad game and not being pulled. Yeah. Because Horahan has shown on numerous occasions for a number, couple of seasons now, at least, he can make things happen. Yeah. So it certainly isn't. It's it's not a shot in the dark, is it? With Horahan, people know what he's going to do. It's not a. a they, huge we had that risk. free kick that El Ghazi took, and uh, I w- that's when I was thinking, oh, I wish you know Horahan was on the pitch for this one because this one's beautifully. You never uh, fancied El Ghazi there. No, you didn't. No, no exactly. You knew it was going to go in the upper tier, if anything. And that's when you think, yeah, it's it's a funny one. This uh, the Horahan one. It's like. Louise has got to produce basically, and I'm glad he scored because that sh- that gave us evidence that he's got you know end product on the other other end of the pitch. So uh, it's not as if we've lost everything uh, by not playing Horahan. I think Even, in the sp- it- in the spirit of moving forward with the, in the right way, I think nobody in the team can be immune to uh, being dropped if they're yeah. not cutting it. I mean, we've got a reasonably big squad of players who, I mean, I personally don't think Smith knows what his best team is yet. No, I think he's got no a rough way. idea. But there's, there's clearly, no, he, I think he, he likes the look of his centre-back pair and he's brought Heaton and he wants to start him. Wesley has to start because, unfortunately, today showed again we, we're pretty short up front. Yeah. Um, but there's still a lot of question marks for me. But, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with Wesley because he hasn't had any shots. It's, it hasn't been in... The team hasn't got him in the position. He, I mean, every time he's... he Sometimes, he's, you know, he's had two or three around him and he's he's managed to dig it out and uh, you know keep the game going. It's just there's, there's something missing in terms of Villa's build-up play that he actually isn't. The chances aren't coming for him to get on the end of it. A lot of our chances are from outside the box. Mm. I, I just don't think it's clicked yet with Wesley. I don't really think the players around him know how to make it work. I'm sure it will come eventually, but just going back to the bench, I, I just don't think there's anyone who's gonna gonna come on and really, really change the game. Yeah. I think Horahan was the most likely to do that and even he didn't come on today. But there's no sort of no winger who's gonna come on apart from Hotter, but he, he didn't have the, the best game. But there's no one really going to come on and change the game. The fact that Spurs can bring Christian Eriksen off the bench who completely changed the complexion of the game the week before yeah. kind of yeah. shows how far behind the big boys we are now. Yeah, and and Hotter. I mean, I'm uh, I'm you know I've, I've 
you know, one one of my theories, I think I said on the show a couple of uh, episodes ago, was is he somebody who, or what, actually when we first bought him, is he somebody that might actually excel in the Premier League uh, above and beyond what he could do in the Championship? Because it's less, you know, hectic and it's more scrappy in the championship. But then, you, then I was looking at the games in pre-season, and he's, you know, he's impressed. But the quality of opposition has been pretty, you know, it's pretty low. And then in the against Spurs when he came on in this game, you're thinking, oh, actually, uh, is he not Premier League standard? But I mean, it's too early. He's, he's made two cameo appearances, but the jury's, you know, certainly out on that. But as you said, you, you said you wanted to start him against Everton. I would, and th- yeah, we, we've got to sort out the uh, both the fullbacks and uh, the wingers in terms of going forward, or else the whole you know the whole thing falls down. At the moment, we're just kind of relying on the midfield. I also still think, actually, I don't know what is. I know he's obviously injured at the moment, but I've I've been a fan of Courtney Hawes for a while, and I know his main position is left back. He's a good athlete. I'm not sure what his delivery is like, but could he be a more solid option at left back and give you a little bit more going forward without having to go the whole hog and. I think if you I bought if you so if you spent twelve million on a on a left back an attacking left back then uh, he's he should be a number one even though you know he's obviously not playing now but you know this is the thing he's he's got these new players in and you look at the situation and how many people have come in and I always thought this Villa team if you know if it if it's good then it will uh, it will be the second half of the season where we'll see better results than the first it's it's not as if we're going to have a great start and then we'll tail off it's always it was always going to be the other way around because they're finding the feet i mean the whole uh, doing a fulham thing that that wasn't my ever a concern for me it was like are we doing a villa the m- money ball for want of a better term when we bought players that are now all are, you know Adressa Gay is playing for Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, Jordan Veratou, Roma. I mean, Jordan Ayew is back at is he Palace? Yeah. Uh, Adoma Traore is playing for Wolves. So they've you know they've all upgraded who who they're playing for, and uh, but we had them all in one team, and it's that thing you know they they never you know obviously gelled or had the time, and obviously some of the players in other positions weren't that hot. Is it? We have some talented players, but they're just you know they're not going to gel. But I, but I don't. I think with this lot, you can see. But we've been reasonably comfortable in games, and we've showed promise. It's just just that extra you know that last ten percent of Wesley not being uh, utilizer in the right position. The fullbacks not uh, giving us anything extra going forward, and obviously a bunch of mistakes have led to us losing points so far. Yeah, I think if you if you take the mistakes out of the two games and say we had two points from two games, I think most people would be quite content with that. Yeah, because I think most people would be reasonably pragmatic about the Bournemouth game and say, well, actually, they you know we've we've played against two reasonably you know well organised sides and we probably haven't deserved to win either of them, but we we've probably done just enough to actually get a point in either of them as well. Yeah, because Bournemouth are, are kind of a litmus test because they're a team that you can see why they're like you know mid table. They're pretty competent and they're a litmus test to see how you're going to do. I mean, they're a team that you you need to be beating at home, but it's no shame if you don't. I mean, you compare to sort of you know, Newcastle going to Norwich on the same day and getting thumped. Yeah, that's a really good gauge of what's kind of around us. You know, Norwich having spent peanuts, Newcastle have spent money, but it hasn't clicked. I mean, and- Norwich are basically going with what they ha- what they had, and they've got a team that uh, obviously know each other inside out, and it's so you know the uh, the equation worked to get them where they where they are. And when you know, we've always said the bottom half of the uh, the, the Premier League isn't that much better than let's say the top three or four of the Championship. So by that definition, if they've cracked the championship, then they should have enough to stay up without paying any silly wages on, uh, you know, half half arse players. Anyway, what would you do different uh, to uh, cap this off uh, against Everton? I, I'd go along with what Chris said. I'd start hotter as well as Trezeguet, maybe move Trezeguet to the left-hand side. I'd bring in Target as well, and then I'd keep the rest the same. I think you've got to go... You've got to go for it against Everton. Like They're a very good side. They've spent money as well. Yeah. But I think we have to get something out of this game. I'd take a draw, but I think we've got to start target, get that attacking intent going. I'd, I'd start hotter as well. I don't think Algarzi's been was brilliant against Bournemouth. He had he was okay against Tottenham, had his bright spells, but I think it's time to to give hotter a go. But yeah, th- those are the changes I'd make. Yeah, because I think I I looked at the the stats from the the Everton game. I think they beat Watford. Yeah, one nil. From, from the looks of it, in a reasonably unconvincing uh, unconvincing manner, they they had. Um, a lot less of the ball than Watford. They certainly don't have a team that really sort of stands out as terms of stars to me. They just look like a good unit. 
I think the fans want to see us go for broke, especially at home. And to get a result against a side like that, I think would give them a huge amount of confidence. Yeah. I think you know the Bournemouth result would be very much a kind of, you know, in terms of you know, Spurs was just like a free game. It's kind of like if you get anything from it, bonus. The Bournemouth one will be the one that will really bring people back down to earth. But I think Smith will stick to his guns and I think he'll know what's worked. He'll be reasonably aware what hasn't. And I think with an extra week on the training ground, it'll be interesting to see if the likes of a marvellous Gilbert come in. It'd just be great to see Villa be a little bit more dynamic and when they get on top and they get spells with the ball, to see them really going for the kill. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like also to be in a position after buying 12 players to, when you see the lineup, and as we've already mentioned, you look at the bench and you go, yeah, that's that's all right. Because some of those 12 players aren't even on the bench yet. And uh, that is the concern that we don't have Unless, I mean, Horahan on the bench, I would say that is a potential impact player. And beyond that, it's... Uh, it's, it's unknown, really, it's whether unknown. Codger's back or not, I don't know. Yeah. But I think in terms of, you've had a couple of games, people have been talking about, oh, you know, there's, there's lots of positives you can take and there's, you know, there's some negatives that we have to work on. In my head, Everton now is, is all about, you need to get points on the board now, just to calm everyone down, give yourself some confidence. As Matt yeah, said, would I mean, you take a draw? Probably, but... You know, it's all very, it's all very good and well us going into the game and us saying, "Well, we played well, but we got stuffed again." Yeah, it's kind of like you want to get points. I'd rather just play very badly and get a nicker one nil at this point and just get the points on the board, and it lifts everyone. But in terms of uh, the positives, I mean, Engels and Mings, even though we've been, you know we've we've shipped five goals in total, I think they've they've played and and haven't really put a foot wrong in terms of uh, what they've no, done. No, the goals haven't been their fault, yeah. have they? I wouldn't have said. And that, and you know, Heaton's a decent keeper, even though he you know he balls up in the first minute. So just having that that trio gives you a chance, uh, I think, in you know in any game going forward to get points. But it's you know obviously uh, if other areas of the uh, the pitch uh, start to uh, fire up. But I think there's enough to suggest, uh, I mean, you know, people panic and, you know, even if we don't get points against Everton, it's not the end of the world. I mean, we've got a reasonably okay start in terms of, you know, teams like Burnley and uh, West Ham. I mean, these are teams, we're in a situation where any team can beat us at this moment in time. But we have enough to beat teams. I mean, we almost beat Spurs and we were leading uh, going into the, the dying embers of the game. So it's not as if we're out of our depth. It's just a bit of luck at this stage and uh, just, you know, people uh, stepping up. Uh, yeah, who have, who have Everton signed? Just uh, We're not going to do a preview, but uh, just uh, looking ahead, is there anybody you're looking forward to or potential danger men? Um, they've got Fabian Delph. Who? Coming back to Villa Park. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually think that's a good signing. That would be great to watch McGinn going through him, wouldn't it? I Snapping think he's him injured. Of course he is, Max. Of course he's injured. Uh, bottled it, didn't he? But no, I think he's a good solid signing for like £8 million. But I think the big money signings they've made was uh, Moise Keane, the striker. Uh, he came on for the last 20 minutes against Watford. You might see him at Villa Park. Alex Awobi is the biggest one though, £35 million. Yeah. He was on the bench as well against Watford. I, I've never been the biggest fan of him yeah, at all. Yeah. I mean, that is going back to, it would have been nice to have another striker. It's just having that other option and it does feel like we are light. Like when we're chasing the game, we were 2-0 down. Obviously, we peg one back and then you're going for it in the last five or so minutes and Davis comes on and no disrespect to Davis, uh, but you're just thinking... We know that at the moment that Davids is not a goal scorer. No. I think we'll see one in January. You know, he had his first game at Watford and he scored and Malpai went straight in with goals, didn't he? And you think it was such a no-brainer of a signing for me. You know, he's a nasty little fucker. He's exactly the kind of player you want. It was it was kind of, I don't know, it, it, you know, Wesley will hopefully come good. But to me, Malpai was that straight out of the box, he's ready to go signing you know you knew he was going to hit the ground running in the Premier League and he has well I don't know if you knew that I, I mean I think Wesley's going to no guarantee I, I think I, I did because I just thought he's such he's such a live wire that you, you always think he's going to get involved Wesley you're going to have to kind of mold your team to play to his way I think someone like Malpai can lead the line on his own and he'll chase everything and get after everything and he'll just be a busy player you do though uh, want options don't you Davis is like a similar version of Wesley and uh, Codger's Codger it's not really a, an option that gets you excited I mean Codger is as I've said numerous times he's one of these guys if you can get him service he'll score goals he's great in the box and we'd said numerous times that he's probably more clinical in front of goal than Abraham yeah. was last season but it's his overall game that is just frustrating yeah. in terms of you put him in the 18 yard box and you'd fancy him to score 20 goals a season with with a good midfield behind him anyway in conclusion we are very much still learning about this team and what its potential can be 
and hopefully uh, we will learn some positive things against Everton. But we do need uh, to start picking up points, but it's not uh, panic stations just yet. Those golden lions will start to tarnish quickly, though, if we're uh, if we're not picking up points at Villa Park. The paint will fade. But uh, how are you feeling, Max? Just in uh, summation, a good A level results has that already been tarnished by uh, nil point in uh, two games? No, not really. I'm still relatively positive after the Tottenham game. I think that was a well, to an extent, a free hit. Yeah. You know, obviously, I think this one was the one that we were really looking forward to and thinking, right, we, we should be doing something here. But even still, like right now, I'm not overly disappointed. I think we were slightly unlucky. But overall, I'm I'm not disappointed. I think it will come. The team will gel. And I think we've just got to keep our heads um, in the past. We would have you know, lost our heads at this point. Twitter would have gone into meltdown. Yeah. But I think it's been fairly content at the moment. Um, we've just got to stay positive. Stay beyond the boys. And I think it will come eventually. It was all uh, okay around me. There wasn't any toxicity. There was a fight, apparently. <laughs> there was a uh, fight s- Some Spurs two and... geezers are fighting over, over El Mohammedi and Gilbert. <laughs> Shocking. There was a fight. Never changes. There was a fight at Spurs I mean, there were some very well. pissed people, to be fair. <laughs> Standard. It's that purity. They've actually added, uh, it's, it's like <laughs> 15, Get rid of the percentage. 15%, that pale ale. That 4.2 is a lie, I think. Here's a funny one, actually. Um, just before Louise scored that rocket, some bloke behind me said, get that idiot off the pitch. So I think that was quite funny. But then when I turned around after he'd scored, it was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> I love it when that happens, though. I know. Yes, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Traditionally, it's Horahan, isn't it? Oh, he's fucking rubbish. Get him off. People oh, were great calling goal. for Horahan today. They were, get Good. Louise off, get Horahan on. It was like, make, you, make up your mind. I think we'll learn over the next few weeks and months how many gears this team has to potentially go into. Yeah. And hopefully... We will see the likes of Gilbert and Marvellous as well, or are they forever to be uh, left out the squad? Maybe they're saving them for Crew Alexander away in the League Cup. <laughs> I think the more games in the Cup we have, the better, because we've got so many new players. You know, we need to see Gilbert playing. We need to see Marvellous playing, and, you know, even like your Lansbury's or whatever. And uh, a couple of decent draws in the Cup, obviously winning, and, you know, Crew's not going to be any pushover, and our, and our uh, recent record in Cups is pretty atrocious in terms of, well, a League Cup especially. I think it's about building partnerships all over the field, and that applies to people like Louise as well. It's getting these guys game time with each other. Yeah. Because he hasn't really had a pre-season with us, so he's actually not match fit at all. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I would give, you know, I'd start him in the cup. I think. I think we should go for it in the cup. Yeah, no, we're, and yeah, I think it's a it's a momentum thing, isn't it? And I think yeah, someone like um, like Wesley potentially he's going to need goals, and that might be a really good opportunity. I'd, you know, and I think this year as well because we don't have you know the, the sort of the forty-six game season with all the midweek stuff that we had last no, year. Exactly. Yeah. These guys will. There's no excuses for these yeah. guys to say how leggy they are. Yeah, I would probably go as strong as possible, but you know, obviously, uh, probably get, giving Gilbert and Target a, a go, and uh, Mister Marvelous if he's uh, if he's still around, if he's still a Villa player. <laughs> Anybody out there, if you've seen Marvelous, do uh, drop me an email, photo evidence preferably as well if you're listening on uh, spotify or apple please do give it a follow uh, on apple please do give it a, a review and uh, five stars as well please Podbean as well if you listen on there i saw a review pop up on Podbean, so please do uh, make sure you follow it so you get notifications when the new shows pop if you didn't go to the game check out uh, villa on tours video anything uh, exciting happen in this particular one no, we just had a laugh. Obviously, it's not ideal when you lose, but you know we always have a laugh. So uh, check it out and check out all the recent videos as well. Subscribe. Thank you very much. Do you do any focusing on the Golden Lions and any of the spruce up paint job? Nah, we just cracked on in the Holton Car Park. But I'm sure one day we'll uh, Everton actually because it's a night game. We might go around check it out. Yep, check out and obviously subscribe and uh, follow us on social media as well. Uh, and uh, please do get the word out. You are the best ambassadors for the show. So please do tell like-minded people and if you see uh, a tweet or an Instagram post or a Facebook post for the show please do share it and retweet it and uh, help get the word out because uh, obviously a lot of effort goes into uh, getting it out there thank you very much right until next time where we will have the uh, the Everton experience in the bag Friday night game Villa Park under the lights oh, oh I was trying to avoid saying that but anyway <laughs> Uh, where we'll know a little bit more about this team 
But uh, Villa Park did look quite splendid. Resplendent. Resplendent, indeed. It was good seeing it. It wasn't looking shabby after we had, we had actually gone to uh, the Spurs uh, space station in North London. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, it didn't feel like a come down, which was, uh, which was a good thing. And obviously it's sold out for Everton as well, isn't it? I believe so. It should be a good, a good atmosphere. They, they traditionally travel well and they, they'll bring a good atmosphere. Yeah. Cause Bournemouth uh, had a few empty seats in the side. There was one block, the furthest block closest to the North stand, which was uh, missing a few people. But if I was them, I would probably hang out on the beach uh, in Bournemouth rather than coming to Birmingham. But anyway, that's another story. Right. Until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. My old man said Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.